Try to kill us, but my village too strong. Long live the people. Here we go again with the bullshit you want. Long live the people. We have all these mixed blood people all across the country. We cannot exclude them. There's nothing wrong with being Red River Metis. We are all Metis. There was an attempt to define Metis. And we said no. There's Métis from Red River. What's wrong with Métis from someplace else? And they were also Métis people. Uniting our people is at a very sad state. We are all Métis. Welcome to The Jig Is Up. Uh, tonight's episode, we have a great guest on the show for you. His name is Joe Pimlot. And some of you here in Alberta may know Joe, um, if you've been involved in Métis stuff at all, uh, especially with the Métis Nation of Alberta. He was involved in their political structure for quite quite a number of years, and then kind of got out of it, and he has future plans to go back. So we thought we'd have him on the show. I know Joe personally. He's a, I consider him a, probably a good friend. Um, he's a really nice guy. He does a lot for the community, and on that side of things, I think, you know, it's it's phenomenal to have somebody like him on the show. And I know some of you are going to be saying, well, wait a minute, this guy's going to be going back into politics with the Métis Nation of Alberta. You know, what is he doing on the jig is up? And the truth is, is I, I think we can, you know, make a clear distinction between the people and the organization. Um, you know, I, I know that a lot of things in this country right now in politics are very polarized, you know, Conservatives hate liberals, and liberals hate conservatives, and everybody hates the NDP, and nobody can get along. But the truth is, I think there's really good people in all those parties that would really love to see their party be more than what they ha- what they are or what they have been. Um, and I think Joe is one of those guys. I, I think Joe understands that there's a lot of politics that goes on in the world. But the truth is, is he wants to see Métis people and Métis communities do better and be better and be stronger, and I think that's something that should be talked about and should be brought on the show. Uh, you know, we provide a nice opposition voice to the Métis Nation of Alberta and, and the, the cartel organizations. But the truth is, is we're really, it's really a critique on how they're operating and how they're run and perhaps their leadership. Um, so with that said, I'm so glad that Joe came on the show and, and was willing to be part of the show. And I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. And, and here's Joe Pimlot. Long live the peak. All right. Well, I'd like to welcome to the show Joe Pimlot. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So um, I wanted to have you on the show because you, uh, I think, are you're going to be running for election here in Region 3 for the Métis Nation of Alberta. And so I thought, well, uh, I know you've been involved in Métis politics in the past, and I think it'd be kind of cool to get you on the show and just uh, hear a little bit about your story. Um, so why don't we start, like, where where were you born and growing up? Where'd, where'd you grow up? Absolutely. That's, uh, it's actually quite interesting so i grew up uh the first portion of my my years on vancouver island i was born in comox and grew up in uh, the small town of courtney which is right beside it and uh my my parents split at a young age so uh, myself and my uh, my younger brother went with my mom and my dad kept my uh, my two oldest and we went on our way so we traveled around quite extensively i think uh to dawson creek ottawa you know uh, uh calgary of course we ended up here when i uh, became a teenager 
And we've pretty much been here since then. So it's been roughly around 30 odd years since, uh, since we've been stable in the Calgary area. Do you miss uh, the, the island life at all? Or do you remember much about it? Or I do. You know, that's funny. Um, growing up, you always have those specific fond memories that just jolt in your mind and it brings back a warm feeling. And every time I have uh, uh, wind brushed through my hair, you know, or something like that, it reminds me of of the, uh, the, the wind from the ocean or just going and uh, swimming in the outdoor pool, you know, back in the day. It's, it's quite fascinating. Uh, I think that um, it's definitely a different atmosphere out there. It's, it's quite different than, uh, than Alberta. Yeah. I do miss it a lot. We went and visited there just this summer, and I, uh, I was able to uh, take my wife, and we went and uh, cruised, and I showed her, you know, where I went to elementary school, stuff like that. Went out to Tofino and Victoria, and, you know, really had a good time. Climbed some mountains because I'm heavily into that. So, yeah, it was pretty fun. So, yeah, I definitely miss it, but uh, this is where home is, so. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and you, yeah, like you said, you've been here quite a while, so. Um, so do you have a lot of family back there still when you went and visited? Is there, was it kind of a bit of a reunion or did everybody kind of dissipate out? No, you know what? I have, um, on both sides of my family, they're, they're all over the place. On my dad's side, they're primarily on the island, you know, a lot of them cause they're all from uh, the England area and they, they ended up immigrating uh, back in the day to primarily Vancouver Island. And then a lot of my, my mom's side are on the mainland, which is kind of weird. Um, so really we, um, we have tons of family in the BC area and they've just immigrated, I guess is a really good term, uh, throughout. So when we went there, it was, it was no problem. We got to visit virtually everybody we could. Right on. Right on. And so when you, you know, you, you said you were growing up here in Calgary and, um, so what did, did you always grow up knowing you were Métis or was this something that you kind of was told to you later in life or how, how did that, how was that? So interesting. So when I was growing up, I knew that we had some form of indigenous ancestry, but it wasn't talked about at all. You know, if, if we looked at my grandfather, we knew that he had uh, some serious Aboriginal blood going on through there. Uh, But we didn't talk about it. And I mean, being a teenager out of sight, out of mind, uh, we didn't really uh, associate a lot with the uh, the Métis community, the Aboriginal community. I had tons of friends that were Aboriginal, but I didn't really know what to necessarily call myself. Yeah. So I left it alone. And then throughout my uh, my 20s and whatnot, it's pretty much the same thing, having a, a young family, just focusing on work and, you know, putting bread on the table, didn't really think about it until... I got into my 30s, and it was actually my mom that broke the silence when she decided she was going to get her, her Métis card uh, for Alberta. Oh, okay. That's when the uh, uh, the wheels started to turn, and I started to do research, and uh, I ended up getting my card uh, right when my mom got hers. So literally right then, it was probably, you know, I don't know the exact date, but it was I want to say 2006, 2007, really. So it hasn't been that long. Oh, okay. Wow. 
And yeah, it's, um, did, did it seem to connect with you? Like, did you feel, um, being so late in life, did you kind of feel like a piece of you had finally fit now? Or how did that feel when you finally realized, hey, I'm 18? Well, yeah, it's, it's fascinating because, I mean, really, I'm still learning. Yeah. You know, and I think we all continuously learn. One of the, the things that, uh, that I realized was all of my friends growing up, you know, the majority were, uh, were either Métis or the First Nations, um, or they had some component to them that there was a reason why I was drawn to them yeah. and vice versa, because we had similar concerns, issues, you know, subconscious stuff growing up. It was it was kind of weird. Yeah. So now, um, going back, I'm seeing a lot of my friends uh, that are saying, "Hey, guess what? I'm Métis." Really, I had no idea because it wasn't discussed, it wasn't thought of, it wasn't in conversation back then. Mm-hmm. So now, I get to learn a lot about my family history. I'm so excited, so into genealogy now and family history and. You know, who you're related to, because I think that's the big thing in an Aboriginal culture, who you're related to, you know, it's uh, it's kind of neat. I yeah. mean, it doesn't necessarily define who we are, but it kind of sets us on the path of, okay, well, I've got so-and-so in my, my family tree. They did some really cool stuff. Yeah. Maybe that's why I'm destined to do the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I found for myself it was... Um... I don't know. I, I just kind of felt like a piece finally shifted into place, you know. Like my family was always a rumor, but um, so when I finally figured it out, it would seem to like now everything fit, and it, I, I seem to make better sense of myself. I don't know. Absolutely, no, and I completely agree. It's funny because now my family, even my aunts and my uncles and all that, they look at me as the historian now. I'm the one that's responsible. I'm the one that got all my grandfather's stuff when he passed away. I'm the one that got all my mom's stuff when she passed away. So I'm the one that's the, uh, uh, the knowledge keeper, the one that's taking care of all of those years of history. You know, it's, it's neat because I've got, I think my great, great grandmother's sash. Oh, wow. It's super duper old it's very fragile but i was the one that was bestowed upon it because i'm the one that's trying to continue on that legacy that wasn't there that long ago yeah and you know i've got my own kids and my own grandchildren and i want to make sure that they know who they are yeah i think that's the most important thing oh for sure yeah well that was my motivation for for really looking into it you know finally deciding to either prove it or disprove it um, was when I had my daughter and realizing, well, I want her to know who she is. Now with your, with your kids, obviously they were already, they were already born and they were already getting, you know, a certain age before you really made this connection. How did they feel or how did they react to it? Well, I think just like me, they, they kind of knew something was up, something was going on, you know, dad's losing his mind on uh, <laughs> on genealogy now and all this all the beads and all the stuff is coming into the house so something's got to be happening yeah and really i mean when i found out initially my kids were quite young and they're in their their 20s now and they're really starting to embrace it yeah as uh, as their culture but they really still aren't 100 percent sure how to do that mm-hmm you know, because they didn't grow up knowing um, 
that traditional culture, that traditional lifestyle. Because yeah. we live in the city, a large city, uh, it's a little more difficult to be able to embrace that because of all the other issues and all the other stuff going on within the city. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a real struggle with a lot of Métis right now. I mean, you know, I, yeah, again, I go through the same thing is, you know, how do you connect to the land? How do you, you know, how do you really live that, those kinds of, or relive those traditions when you're in the city and it's go, 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 and you got to work and you, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's difficult for sure. It's, yeah, it's not easy. I mean, it's great. We have Google or we have um, Wikipedia. Or we have all these really good search engines online. But to be fair, unless you're physically doing it, it's not the same thing. Yeah, you have to, you do have to live it at some point. <laughs> you do. And yeah. in an urban setting, it's a little more difficult, you know, and with our younger generation growing up quite rapidly, especially with uh, the way social media is. And with the way that um, technology is, you know, us, we're going to become the um, the seniors pretty quick. And it's up to us to be able to pass that information along to them correctly and in enough time that they can do the same thing, you know, regurgitate it to their children and so on and so forth. Absolutely. And, and if we don't, we're, we're going to lose a lot, you know, especially in a, in a larger city. It's, uh, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be tough. But... I mean, I think we do have a lot of people that are very, uh, very emotional about it, very mm -hmm. passionate about their culture. You know, the Métis culture is is quite neat. It's uh, it's fascinating because when I talk about it to people, they're like, "Well, what does that mean?" And when you explain the the coming together of uh, of two peoples, it sounds a lot cooler speaking it than just keeping it in your mouth. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved I love explaining it to people because I think that there's a lot of folks, you know, newcomers and so on and so forth that really don't understand who we are as a people. Uh, they only get what is in social media or what's on the web, but they don't really get from an individual, you know, uh, like uh, the Métis Nation of Alberta or BC or who on so on and so forth, or even the Glenbow, you know. Yeah. Um, and if we're not talking about it then it just goes away. Yeah, absolutely. Now you, so I, um, you went on to kind of get heavily involved into, I guess the Métis politics and Métis world by, uh, you, cause you actually were part of the MNA, but you, you actually ran and were vice president, I think for a while or something. I did. It's actually quite funny. So what happened was I'll, I'll take it back a little bit further to when I actually started with the Métis nation in general and it was actually quite by happenstance. So when I got my card, I was super excited. I'm like, okay, I got my card. What do I do with my card? Um, looking at all the stuff, you know, number one is identity, of course. Yeah. That is extremely important. And to me, that is uh, first and foremost, it, it made me feel really, really good to, to get that card, to get that identity, and to be able to do those things, uh, think voting and whatnot. And then I find out, that there's this wonderful organization called Rupert's Land that can assist with education. So what do we do? I go and get my event management certification. So not two weeks out of uh, college, I get a call from the regional office saying, hey, would you like to come in for an interview? Absolutely. Hmm. 
So I go in for an interview and I get hired on as their event coordinator at the Métis Nation Region 3. I was ecstatic. It was probably like the best thing that could ever happen to me. Yeah, yeah. So I end up doing that for uh, a couple of events. And then, you know, luckily for me, I get hired on as their youth and FASD coordinator. And I worked for three years within the office, learning, helping, uh, giving back to the community, getting in touch with the community, and being able to really um, refine my uh, my history because it enabled me to do that. So come 2011, I decided, you know what, I want to take this one step further, and I decided to run for office. I ran for regional vice president, and I got to tell you, that was probably the most terrifying thing I had ever done. <laughs> It was scary. It really was because it was definitely out of my realm. Yeah. I mean, I love community. I love working with community. I think it's probably the best thing you can do. And volunteering, doing anything and everything I possibly could. And I really had a couple of really good mentors uh, back then. And that would have been uh, Ephraim Bouvier and Marlene Lance. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was able to win in 2011. So I got three years of really digging into that political component, really being able to do the stuff that I knew I was destined to do. Mm-hmm. And um, come 2000, I believe, 14, my term was up, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to take it one step further. Yeah. I ran provincially, so I became the provincial vice president. I was successful, and I was even more terrified. <laughs> because now you're not just responsible for the region, you're responsible for the province. Yeah, yeah. Now, with that, we ended up moving to Edmonton. And we were there for approximately a year and change when, unfortunately, my mom was very ill. And my mom ended up passing away when we were up in Edmonton. Oh, no. Um yeah, it's uh, it was probably one of the most traumatic things that could have ever happened to me. Yeah, we had never been outside of Calgary. The one year we decided to move, my mom passes away, and my daughter ends up saying, "Hey, Dad, guess what? You're going to be a grandpa." Oh wow! So that happens. So my my daughter's going to have a baby. My mom passes away. My stepdad is in utter disarray. Like it's down here in Calgary. Could have been the worst thing possible happening for my family. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a very, uh, very good heart to heart with uh, the president, uh, the Métis Nation of Alberta, Audrey Patra. And we uh, came to terms that the best thing for me would be to step down because moving back to Calgary and with the way that my family was in just chaos, um, it would be the best thing for myself and for the m as a whole. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, in hindsight, I could have moved back and I could have commuted. Yeah. But the reality is my, my family was in, in, in such shambles that I wouldn't have been able to do the job, uh, the due diligence that I needed to. Yeah. And it wasn't fair to the organization, you know, and I'm so thankful for the people that elected me in and I'm, very sad that um, the tragedy struck and the chaos ensued and I wasn't able to fulfill my obligations. But unfortunately, you know, that that's just the way life goes. And 
I would do it again in a heartbeat because my family comes before any occupation. And I would suggest that anybody else have that same attitude because a job is a job, but your family is forever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now you, when you move back to Calgary, um, like I know you were, uh, you, you were, you were the director at the uh, Calgary Friendship Center for a while. Um, so I guess tell us a bit about that. I guess that that kind of just played off on the, the you know, delivering programs and working for the community again, right? Yeah. So there's been so much stuff that's happened in the past couple of years, <laughs> and it's been very exciting. You know, um, when I go into something, I go full force. Yeah. So when I got back to Calgary, I uh, I was able to take over the uh, the Aboriginal Friendship Center, and they had been without an ED for a little while, so. I was kind of going in there in a, in a green context, but I had a lot of assistance with the staff that were very seasoned, very amazing. And we were looking at new ways to bring people in, bring kids in, because, I mean, kids are life. They are the ones that uh, we do everything for. Yeah. And one of the cool programs that I was able to uh, design was this uh, wrestling program. Oh, okay. Which were, Yeah, it was so cool. So... I'm uh, I'm friends with a lot of the Hart family. Oh wow! Uh, and unfortunately, yeah, my friend uh, Smith just passed away yeah. uh, due to cancer, and um, I know uh, uh, Brett's dealing with that too. Uh, but I'm friends with you know uh, Julie Hart and Matt Hart. You know, so a lot of the Hart. So I know. Oh, for sure. What we decided to do is we decided to look at a youth enhancement program that was wrestling related so we would teach them about leadership skills and calisthenics and you know eating healthy and all these different things yeah um but with a wrestling theme because well, I mean, cool. who doesn't love wrestling when you're a kid right exactly it's great entertainment absolutely so i mean long story short we had i think i want to say 15 to 20 kids for three months and we worked with them twice a week oh, and wow. so we had so many more kids coming into the center and it was wonderful. I mean, we got, uh, we got write-ups, we got the, the friendship center was like front and center and it was great. Um, we did so much fun stuff. And unfortunately, I mean, the, the dollars that we were able to retain were limited, yeah. which is normal, you know, with not-for-profits, you, you only get, you know, a certain portion of dollars and then you have to reapply. But if the dollars aren't there, the dollars aren't there. Yeah, that's right. So, we did a bunch of uh, a bunch of stuff with the kids there, and we also had programs that were pre-existing before I even got there, like the traditional naming ceremony, um, which taught people about uh, the cultures of the indigenous peoples of the area. So we had a, a couple of elders that worked with. Uh, my programs coordinator, and that was extremely successful. That is probably the most successful program going at the center, and it's still going now. Yeah. So a lot of stuff really, really peaked. We um, we were able to increase our bottom line by a ridiculous amount of money when I was there. Uh, and then May of last year, um, the Friendship Center and myself parted ways. And I decided to take a bit of time off for myself because I had been working for, you know, pretty much 10 years straight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just needed some time. <laughs> so 
within that time frame of being in the center, I, I got a couple of really cool awards and I, you know, I like to talk about myself sometimes, but I don't. Yeah. Cause sometimes I don't feel like I deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the cool things that happened was in, I guess both of them were in 2016. So in 2016, I received, uh, the Alberta Aboriginal role model award in leadership. Or no, sorry, not leadership. Volunteerism. See. <laughs> oh wow. Well, the, yeah. Well, volunteerism. that's awesome. I don't know why I said leadership, but you know. Well, I can definitely about... see the volunteer thing. I mean, every everywhere I go, I see you at every single event volunteering. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's so important to give back, right? Absolutely. It's, yeah. I mean, with all the the extracurricular stuff that I do, it's just it's so important to be able to give back to community in so many different areas. Yeah. One of the other neat things that I got was. Uh, and uh, honestly, I don't even remember the, the month. It might have been November 2016. I was featured uh, with five other college grads as the college all-stars in McLean's Magazine. Oh, wow. Not a lot of people know about this, um, but that would have been the issue when Trump got in and yep. his face was on McLean's Magazine. <laughs> so if you flip it ahead a little bit, to I think the middle pages, if you can get your hands on that, there's uh, there's Joe's face <laughs> with a little write up. That guy had uh, to steal your cool. thunder, eh? Yeah, like, well, it was the hair. <laughs> he had yeah. the hair. Yeah, what can you do, right? <laughs> That's right. But I mean, it's small things like that. I mean, it's not really small, but it's it's those gestures from from the general public that acknowledge a lot of the work that we do. And I mean, I'm not alone. There's so many people that do similar in the same stuff that I do that don't get the, um, the recognition that I've got. Uh, but I think because personally I'm such a go-getter and I'm so community oriented, I think that um, I, I stand out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, like I, like I said, I see you at everything. Um, Cause you volunteer, not even just with Métis things, you, you're always volunteering with community associations and stampede things and things like that. So, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about you going into back into the MA and running for real or I guess election next year. Um, what made you decide to, to do that? Was there, was there a specific reason? Did you think, was it just kind of a logical next step or was it something you think is, is missing or, or that you could offer? Oh, all of the above. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you're right. I do I do a lot of stuff in the community. I mean, I, I sit on boards and committees all over the place between my community center, the, the Métis local. Um, I sit on community boards for the Indigenous Gathering Place. I just, I'm a Shriner, so I'm always in parades. Mm-hmm. I'm always, you know, flying the little planes and stuff. Yeah. Um, and my motto is you only live once. So why not do as much as you possibly can with the time that you have? Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things when my mom was still around and I'm so thankful that she got to see me, um, um, getting, uh, get into the Métis nation as the provincial VP. She was able to come up, you know, we brought her, brought her up with a wheelchair and whatnot. And that was a very, very touching thing for me. Um, one of the things that we had discussed was that after that, I would run regionally, which was the initial uh, game plan for me 
was running for regional president because my family's down here. It just, it, it made sense. Absolutely. Um, yeah. my, my contacts are down here. My friends are down here. My family's down here. My Métis Nation region three is down here. Yeah. And my kids have been a real catalyst with telling me that I truly need to pursue that and fulfill that obligation you know, not only to myself or my mom, but to the community that I've worked so hard for the past eight to ten years. Yeah. You know, um, my my view is that I didn't I didn't want to leave, but it was something that was necessary that I had to do at the time. So I've got a lot of unfinished business within the region, mm-hmm. and what I do see is that there definitely needs to be a shift. There needs to be um, a change in ideas, a change in concepts, and we really need to bring a lot of the community, um, I don't want to say back to the region because they're already here. Yeah. It's just bringing the community together. Yeah. There needs to be uh, a lot more stuff happening, I think, and I think with new ideas from individuals that may not have had a voice before, and I mean, believe you me, I can talk to virtually anyone. It doesn't matter, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, I'll get on the phone and I'll talk to the person that literally just got their card and say, hey, what are you doing? What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Would you like to set up a group? Would you, would you like to set up a work with a program? Would you like to do you know, so many different things? Because with the way things are going with uh, the governments and with their need to communicate and collaborate and start working with us in a deeper, uh, deeper context, you know, hopefully there's going to be more dollars for youth. Hopefully there's going to be more dollars, you know, for our seniors and our elders, but also hopefully there's going to be stuff for, you know, the, the middle, you know, like us. Yeah. The families Ho- and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so one of my goals is to bring unity, you know, back to, the region mm-hmm. you know it's kind of hard to explain it really is because there's there's a lot of stuff that does happen within the region but i think personally with a a new thought pattern that can be so much more well i think it's always important to uh you know to get fresh blood i mean you you look at uh, all of the councillors that just got reelected on calgary city council and this was supposed to be the big election for change and although nobody there wasn't a whole lot of change, but that was kind of the underlying theme is that, you know, a lot of, some of these people have been there for, you know, one guy's 24 years, other people are 15 years and it's time for new ideas. Right. And, well, uh, and that's one of my big things, you know, I don't believe that when I get elected in that I'm going to be there for three, four five terms. Cause I don't think that's healthy. Yeah. What I think is that I need to do, uh, my share in contributing to society, to the Métis Nation, to the people that uh, are looking for that uh, that guidance or that leadership, and then set up the next generation to lead. Yeah. Because the reality is you start to become a little, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Complacent? You start to lose ideas. Yeah, complacent ideas or concepts. I mean you can only connect to the younger generation for so long yeah. <laughs> before you don't know what a 
Google map is or a blog (laughs) is, or you know what I mean? Like you need to be able to set up the next generation to succeed. And that's my goal is I'd like to do one term, possibly two, depending on who's waiting in the wind. Yeah. Because I don't see it as I I don't see it as a job. I see it as a guide for that next generation. Well, and that's the thing. I, I like. I, I kind of like. I'm the same as you. I see that as anything like that is has got to be okay. What can I do for however long the next two terms is to get the next generation up and going? Right. And uh, I mean, even even honestly, running like a le- leadership program so that you can teach the younger generation to take over for you. I mean, at the end of the day, at some point in time, you're not going to be in that position anymore. That's right. You know, so you have to set it up for that next individual, the next group of individuals. Yeah. You know, the, the trick is that, and because I've been there, because I've actually had positions similar to this, I know what to expect. You're dealing with your, um, your, your other regions, uh, the other provinces, and of course your uh, provincial and federal government. So you never know where your funding is going to come from. You never know who's going to be in leadership on the other end. So, and you never know what court cases are going to transpire. Yeah. You know what I mean? So everything is always up in the air, but you have to have somebody in there that is willing to take those risks. That's willing to take the plunge and is willing to allow everybody to participate. Yes. And I think that's the big thing. You know, we, we need to make sure that, um, we're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. You got to run every program wondering, well, what, what is the, what is the outcome of this program? What do we want to have happen? What are the next steps? What could this transfer into something else? Yeah, exactly. Or with, you know, with our youth groups or our youth programs, you know, with uh, our locals or whatever, they're going to grow up. They're going to get older. So are we prepared to start looking at modifying programs and services, you know, in conjunction with previous to retain those kids. Yeah. You know, and a lot of that stuff doesn't really, uh, doesn't really happen because people are just focused on just getting initial dollars for one program or whatever it may be. They're not looking at long term. They're not looking at the future of those individuals. Yeah, Absolutely. So, uh, well, that's good to hear. I mean, that's great things if you if you do run, and I, I'm I have no doubts that you'll probably win. I mean, I can't imagine you not. You, uh, you with with the way you attack everything else, I'm sure that you'll. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm surprised I'm awake right now. Um, <laughs> my goal is to do what I need to do, stay connected in the community, and. Um, take the bull by the horns, so to speak in September and secure my position as, uh, as president of the region. Well, um, I really appreciate you being on here and I wish you good luck with that. I hope that, uh, I definitely hope you, you, you achieve success on that. Although, like I said, you attack everything with such enthusiasm. I think uh, there's no doubt in my mind you'll be successful. Um, absolutely. And I, I think what, you know, one of these days I'd like, love to have you back on the show to just talk about, uh, I guess more politics and governance and things like that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I think one of the important things uh, that I learned when I was in politics is you have to have really good, uh, really good leadership and really good mentors in order to learn from 
And yeah. luckily for me, I had those those individuals that were able to to teach me what they know, and I was able to expand out. So um, all of my uh, my community leaders and you know my M and A leadership have done you know me a great service with teaching me everything that I needed to know and everything that I'm going to need to know going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, I wish you the best of luck, and, and I really want to thank you for coming on today. I don't know if there's any last words of advice or little bits of wisdom that you'd like to share with us before we uh, we finish off here. Absolutely. Um, never give up. You know, chase your dreams. Make sure you have goals, and if you don't, start making some because you're not going to get anywhere without starting with number one. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Joe, for, for being on. I really appreciate your time. And I will let you get back to the <laughs> whatever crazy things you got going on. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's be well, a long night. <laughs> well, like I said, hopefully we can have you on again another day uh, and just talk more about the politics and, and the idiosyncrasies of running an organization, perhaps, uh, you know, on the next show. That would be wonderful. Awesome, Joe. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Long live the king. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation I had with Joe. Um, you know, Joe's one of those guys whose enthusiasm is very contagious. And he always, hanging around with him or being around him, always uh, makes you feel like you should be doing more for your community, your Métis community or, you know, your local municipal community. So I, I really want to thank Joe for being on the show. It was a great conversation, and I'm looking forward to seeing him out at the next event we are all at. And uh, for everybody else, if you have any questions or comments about this show or any of the other shows, shoot us an email at metispodcast at gmail.com. If there's any guests that you'd like us to talk to that you want to hear from that are Métis and they're doing cool things or they're they're out there showing leadership out in the world, uh, shoot us an email again at metispodcast at gmail.com. Drop their name and let us know you'd like to hear about them um, or learn more about them or hear them on the show. We'd love to have more guests and more suggestions for guests that you guys want to hear. And, uh, you know, as far as next week goes, we'll be back with the two bearded uh, lunatics ranting and raving about politics and Métis life in general. So until then, the jig is up. Long live the king. Hey, my late cooking came from Kawaka to express. Real world, you woman probably popping loose dead. It's poor man's if you want to talk the language. A hundred clicks north of RG is the rest. You still got.